welcome to the Girl Tries Life podcast where we show you that women are capable of achieving incredible things in their life when they've got the right tools, mindset, and strategies in place. My name is Victoria Smith. I am your host and I'm all about helping you reduce your stress so that you can actually enjoy your day-to-day life. Imagine that. So today is episode number 105. I know you usually get these episodes on a Thursday, you guys. I am just back from a two-week vacation with my family in the UK, and things are just a little bit topsy-turvy and taking care of two kids and all the things. So while it was supposed to be a coaching episode last week, I'm actually going to throw another interview at you. Uh, It's a really good one. I just am sort of catching up, uh, getting over jet lag, and I don't know if you can tell, but I've got this weird chest cough, the joy of uh, international travel and the germs on planes and all the things. Anywho, today's episode is with one heck of a girl. I honestly was so over the moon to spend time with her. So Miranda Krogstad is a spoken word poet who I, um, I met, I feel like in a former life. Uh, Miranda actually sang at my wedding. What we're calling well, we call it a wedding. It was a welcome to Canada. By the way, we got married party where I technically wore my wedding dress, but my wedding dress was one of those like under $100 really cute cocktail kind of thing. Anywho, that's a long story short, but Miranda was dating a friend of mine and she and her boyfriend at the time sang our first dance song. So it was really special. And then just after my daughter was born last year, I went to an ACE class event. So we've had Mandy Ballack from the ACE class on here before. And Miranda was doing some spoken word to open the event. And I was like, I know this girl. I have seen her many times before. And I didn't know at the time about how talented she is as a spoken word poet. It just blew me away. Her work is so powerful and intelligent and beautifully crafted. And I know you're going to enjoy this interview. So we're actually going to start with a piece of her work, which is called Imperfect. Now, the volume is a little bit a little bit louder. There is a backing track to the piece. So just be aware of that. It's not like that in the entire interview. But I mean, if you're listening to the words, like the music really just does add some powerful impact. So just a little bit more about Miranda before we go into this interview. She is a big supporter of the local arts, uh, no stranger to Calgary's spoken word events, and she's been featured at staples such as Expressions, Say Word, Can You Hear Me Now, and Raw Voices. So what I love about Miranda is that you know, she actually makes a full-time living as a creative. She pre- presents workshops on creativity and empowerment at schools, charitable organizations, and events such as the Calgary Bridge Foundation for Immigrant Youth and the University of Calgary's Mental Health Symposium. Her mission is to spread positivity and confidence through the art of poetry and to cur- encourage others to share their voice. And that is so much about what this interview is about, how you share your voice, how creativity can actually help you um, manage your mental health, manage your emotions, express what's going on, and really have a positive impact on your life. Uh, if you're also someone who's a creative who wants to figure out how how you make this a full-time gig, Miranda talks about what that journey is like. And we also have a really great discussion towards the end about what, both about stress, because we, we just had a good chat about stress, but we also had a good chat about the journey. And being a goal-oriented person versus, uh, you know, actually enjoying the process of whatever it is you're creating or whatever goal it is you're working towards. So it's a really great conversation. Show notes for today can be found at girltrieslife.com forward slash podcast forward slash 105. And that's where I link to Miranda's website where you can find out all about her upcoming events. Uh, She talked about uh, the event that's going to be happening this summer, the stories we tell. It's not live up on her website yet, but uh, keep keep an eye out. It's going to, as you'll hear in this interview, it's going to be such an incredible show. I can't wait to get my own ticket to it. And I think you will fully enjoy it. Now, the Girl Choice Life podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, which is powered by ATB. Y'all know this. I've talked about it before, but I'm going to tell you some more. ATB runs this incredible small business accelerator program called ATBX. I'm halfway through it right now as we speak, and, and it is blowing my mind. I am meeting some incredible entrepreneurs. I am learning from people who are so skilled and talented in what they do. I am basically just being given so much information, so many opportunities, uh, so many connections that I wouldn't have had otherwise. 
and this was free, right? I know people who would pay thousands of dollars for an experience like this, and it's free. Um, so if you are an Alberta entrepreneur who is looking to either launch your business or you're sort of in the first couple of years and you're looking to sort of up level your business, I really, I highly include encourage you to check out ATBX. So go to atb.com forward slash ATBX. Highly recommend it. Tell them Stressless Ladies sent you or Girl Tries Life. They'll figure it out. Yeah, one of the things that they've encouraged me to do, which I'm super excited about, is that we're actually going to be pre-selling the Stress Less in 90 Days program. So I don't know how many of you have actually heard me talk about this yet, but a fellow coach named Amy Mitchell out in Victoria and I have developed this Stressless in 90 Days core program. When we were looking at coaching, life coaching for the average human being, it is out of most people's price points um, because your health benefits usually don't cover it, which is a shame and I really hope that health benefits move in that direction one day. But the cost of one-to-one coaching is really prohibitive for a lot of people. So we are passionate about taking away that barrier. We have created two sort of subsets of the same program. So in 90 days, we will take you through the tool strategies and the mindsets to help you significantly reduce your stress so that you can actually enjoy your day-to-day life. So there's going to be a self-led program, which is obviously the cheapest price point for you, uh, With the but it does sort of have the least one-on-one, but it's 12 weeks of content material, videos, uh, and a journal and some extra resources to help you systematically work through how to decrease your stress on a regular basis. And then the other thing that we're going to be launching is our group coaching program for Stress Less in 90 Days. And that's going live in September, but we are going to be pre-selling it and giving away some really special gifts to folks that sign up early. It's going to be a really beautifully curated a summer self-care kit so that you can start that stress reduction process this summer and put a little emphasis on you and taking care of yourself so that when September rolls around, you're really ready to to hit this program and make a difference in your life. So Stress Less in 90 Days, you can find information for this all at stresslessladies.com. That is my website, which has just launched and I'm super excited. You cannot yet pre-register for it, but that will be happening, I'm hoping, by next week. But I know that life with two little kids is what it is. So within two weeks, for sure, we will be pre-selling this program. And that's all down to ATBX. So again, atb.com forward slash ATBX. If you are interested in learning from people who are experts in how to accelerate your business growth. We're also part of the Alberta Podcast Network. And I just love being part of this group. It's such an interesting collection of local podcasts on all kinds of different topics. Now, I do want to talk to you about, okay, you know, we're talking about stress, right? Stress is something that affects all of us. Politics. (laughs) We have an election coming up here in Alberta. I don't know where you're listening from, but on April 16th is uh, the Alberta provincial election. Something that causes a lot of people a lot of stress, myself included. And so one of the podcasts that I've been listening to is Dave Berta. So this is where award-winning writer and communications professional Dave Cornoyer shares his take on what's happening in politics in Alberta. And I think you will, it's a very balanced view. I think you will learn a lot from it. Uh, The most recent episode is on uh, Gay-Straight Alliances and how that's really going to affect the way people vote. And I think, yeah, getting educated on things that cause you anxiety or cause you stress is one of the ways that you can actually take control of the situation. So big shout out to Dave Berta. Okay, so without further ado, let's head into the interview with Miranda Krogstad. Again, heads up, we're going straight into a piece of her spoken word poetry, which is called Imperfect. And then we'll move into the podcast, the interview directly after that. Have a great day. I stare at her painting. It's nearly photographic. Next to her perfection, my poetry looks plastic. A kindergarten project made of marshmallows and matchsticks. And I imagine that her brush chasses its way across the canvas, pulling out a perfect picture flawless and entrances, paintbrush dances like a prima ballerina. Anna Pavlova the easel, her arena. And I can't fathom how she does it, just like that. The same way a magician pulls a rabbit from a hat, she draws beauty from the blank. 
and I don't understand how someone can make something so perfect. See, I'm the kind of girl who stumbles on her every word. It's rough and tumble talk tripping out of this trap. Only after 50 revisions are my ramshackle raps apt for an audience. And I keep the delete button as my closest friend. Delete, delete, closest companion. Erasing chunks of thought wider than the Grand Canyon. Filling them in with frills and fancy until the viewer can't see how imperfect I can be. So I shake my head in wonderment at her impeccable peace more wrinkle-free and radiant than a shiny silk camise. And I stare at her smooth strokes and meticulous lines and I find I'm baffled at how her brush can travel and unravel such flawless finesse. If she's the Mona Lisa, I'm a Jackson Pollock mess. But I guess what goes unseen is behind the scenes. She gleans its every imperfection, makes countless corrections to nearly invisible sections of the canvas we overlooked studies her every error closer than her favorite book, makes minute modifications until the creation shines and sparkles, and while the unknowing audience moons and marvels at her magnificent masterpiece, we may be startled to discover she still sees it incomplete. She could run her finger over every blemish and blot, show you each imperfect spot she concealed. If you peeled back the paint layer by layer, you'd reveal endless edits and alterations where she tweaked her illustrations, deepened the shadows, dabbled to add those tiny touches and flares, smoothed some straying strands of hair, and there, where we now see a faultless figure, once stood a flawed form. See, being imperfect isn't the exception, it's the norm. Life is not a pristine product, but a process. We only approach perfections by corrections, admitting we're not flawless. I've never seen a beautiful life or a beautiful work of art that didn't evolve incessantly from its sloppy start. So make mistakes. Gift yourself to the world like a globby birthday cake, like a love note to humanity with a coffee stain smack dab in the middle. Let your life and art be riddled with richness, a gorgeous mess. Sometimes the mistakes are the most stunning part yet. So thank you to each artist who has laid their hardest heartwork in the spotlight, who fought like mad to have a sliver of their soul exposed. And thank you to those sitting in the dark. You are making art of your life, letting struggle and strife stain your existence stunningly, becoming the next masterpiece of elegant inadequacy. Strive for sublimity, fail fantastically, this is my coffee-stained love note to humanity. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm stoked. And uh, fun fact for our listeners, I have a picture of you on my wall. You do. You do. <laughs> I was at your wedding, yeah. so that was a real thing. You sang our first dance song. Oh my gosh, did I? You didn't remember that? I don't yeah. remember that. Oh, that's no, you amazing. legitimately did. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's so special. I'm so glad that I'm having this realization on air, like in a Totally fine. <laughs> well, so to clarify for listeners, like we didn't know each other well. Like you were. I was friend of a friend. Yeah, friend of a friend. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you sang our first dance song and we awkwardly did the junior high shuffle back and forth because that's <laughs> how David and I roll. But uh, yeah. Fun facts. Yeah. So we sort of came back into each other's lives, I guess, when I saw you at an ACE class event doing spoken word. You bet. You and bet. I had no idea you were into spoken word. I knew you as a singer before, not as a spoken word artist. So how did spoken word come into your life? So, I mean, we talked about it a little bit before the podcast, but I'll just get the listeners up to speed. So... I kind of got into spoken word by accident. My friend showed me the poem Point B by Sarah Kay. And as soon as I saw it, I went, that's the thing I want to do. I had done some stuff kind of related to it in high school and uh, beforehand. I had done debate and choir and creative writing and music and a bunch of stuff that sort of overlap. But as soon as I saw that, I went, yep. That's the thing I want to do. And then it started this creepy habit of me like locking myself in my basement and just like putting my headphones on and listening to spoken word for hours on end. 
my roommates probably thought I was like injecting heroin into my eyeball or something, <laughs> but I was just binging on spoken words. It's just word. poetry, guys, I swear. <laughs> That's, I just need my fix of words. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so then after that, I sort of started to think, you know, this is something that you can actually share with people. Maybe I could stop being creepy and try to share it with people. So I applied to the Banff Center Spoken Word Program in 2013. I got in, I said some words, I fell in love with it. When you write poetry in the mountains for a week, you realize like, oh yeah, this is how I want my life to be. <laughs> Their retreats look amazing. They're incredible. Yeah. Their facilities are incredible. I had my own little like music hut with a keyboard and a mic and a mirror to like practice and create. And like whenever I wanted, they had workshops with like a Congolese storyteller and Davi Young, who is an amazing spoken word artist. And they did guided meditations for it. Anyways. It was. Did you see the boat? The like the boat that Yen Martel wrote part of Life of Pi in? No. So they have so they have the little music huts, and yes. then they also have like writers like huts as well, and then they have a boat on like stilts and stuff that Yen Martel wrote part, some of Life of Pi in. Wow. Did they did they have that there back in 2013? Has it been there for a while? Uh yeah, it's been there for a while because okay. I used to work with a company that um did community investment with the BAM Center, and I remember wow. every time like I saw it, I was like wish I got what is and you know what <laughs> yeah. I probably like passed by it and didn't even realize. deep in the woods that's so yeah. cool okay I am gonna have to look into that because that is that's pretty amazing yeah, that's a cool sorry. little piece of history no yeah. <laughs> that makes it even more magical honestly I feel that way about the fam center that it was just this little like fairy land of creativity yeah. and like mountains right in the back door you know people used to do pilgrimages there to like do their craft yeah. to get inspired but anyhow so that's kind of how it started. And then after that, I sort of started picking up gigs here and there. And then they started paying me money. And then I was able to do less and less of my side hustles. And I sort of scaled it up. Yeah. So when, uh, for listeners, first of all, heads up, the noise you'll hear in the background, as usual, is my little baby girl, Anna. This is how we roll on Matt Leave. I am podcasting. so glad that the little one is already like, I'm going to share my voice. I'm yeah, like, yeah. yes, this, this is the podcast for that. This <laughs> is how you get a podcast while on Matt Leave. You do it with your child next to you, who adds to the sound. Absolutely. But we were talking about, because I, I, this probably was a very rude question, but I was like, is this your day job? And you said, and you said yes. And I think that's so exciting because you hear yes. from so many creative people uh -huh. that it's their side hustle for right. years and years and years so how did you how were you able to do this from the get-go like did you have a strategy in place was this uh it just fell together bit of both bit of both yeah so I'm a very risk averse person which is not what you would think as a spoken word poet a full-time spoken word poet it's not like the most stable job if you thought about it from the outside but my mom is a banker and I know, <laughs> her can reaction? you imagine the sell on this? I'm, I'm still selling her on it today. Yeah, it's still selling her on it for sure. But when I started out, I made sure to have solid side hustles. So right. I needed something flexible and something that if I had a spoken word gig say, can you come in now? I could without hesitation say yes. So I cleaned houses, I tutored, I babysat. I did anything that did not have a fixed schedule that I could say, this week, can I just not? Uh, or can I do it a couple days later or a different time? So I got some really flexible side hustles to start out. Also, I would work at day camps over the summer at University of Calgary. I love working in childcare. So that was six weeks of pay that I knew was there every summer and would give me a cushion to go into the year with. For the first few years, that was key. And I was able to do some kind of creative stuff with that. Like I learned how to use a shadow screen, in the backstage class, which I later would use in my shows and little things like that, that kind of there's some cross training there is what yeah, I yeah. felt. But yeah, financially, it was always a matter of, you know, I'm a big fan and I'll talk about this probably a little bit later of Elizabeth Gilbert and she wrote a book called Big Magic. <sighs> yeah, right? <laughs> All the feels and all the things. I, I love I actually her. feel I want to go and reread it this year. Yes. Mm. Yes. She is so inspirational. And she always said that she would never ask for her writing to support her. That uh, she was going to create whether or not it paid the bills. And that's what a real love for something is. Is you're going to find, find ways to do it. You know, like your mistress sneak it into your life is the way she yeah. puts it. And I think that's <laughs> so cool, right? To just, you know... You edge out those Hello, times. Hello, this podcast. Exactly. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So 
I think there was an element of that as well that I was like, you know, I'm going to be doing this mostly 24-7 anyhow. If it pays me money, great. In the meantime, I'm going to have these little things that pay the bills. And I'm al- I also have like the material needs of a rock. Like I really don't have a whole, if I have a cup of mint tea and my guitar, I'm a happy girl. So yeah. I'm lucky that way that I don't, I don't think I need a lot of excess either. So by just basically by just not wanting, a, not needing a whole lot and by having a couple side hustles that were really flexible, it made it easier to transition so that when I started getting more gigs, I could say, you know what? Okay. I can drop this house cleaning gig now. And okay, I'll dial tutoring back to just, I still have one student that I absolutely love. That's just because she's incredible. I'm still with her, but everything else I've been able to just slowly dial back and say, I'll drop that off. I'll do a little less of this, a little less of that. So, so these workshops that you do, what do, I mean, I know they can be custom and that kind of thing, but in general, what do they look like? What are people looking for? Yeah. So, I mean, workshops is like, I guess 80% of what I do. So it is a lot of it. What I usually do is something along the lines of Mm self-expression. So it's just often with youth. So junior high and high school is a big part of my audience because adolescents have a lot of feels (laughs) and don't really know how to get them out quite yet. So in my workshops, I generally try to give them the tools to put things in an interesting way that other people want to listen to them because they have a story to tell that nobody else can tell and they can tell it in a way that nobody else can tell it. Even if you tried your hardest to be exactly like someone else, you'd accidentally put a bit of you into it. And that's what I keep telling them is just like, get your story out there. And what I do in the workshops is try to give them some tools of making it sound catchy or making the imagery beautiful or putting the story in an interesting way that will make it more compelling for audiences to really care. So that's kind of what I do, I guess, in a nutshell, because as you said, it is very customizable and I do all kinds of age ranges from elementary. I think the youngest I've done was like preschool all the way up to like adults. So really depends on who it is and what they want out of it. But generally it's like trying to get people to just convince them to get that voice out of there. Well, and I find with self-expression, like, it so easily ties into mental health. Like, it's these things that you bottle up, like you're saying, you feel the feels, but how to get it out. So if you're someone that, if you're talking to someone who deems themselves not a creative person, not a writer, not a, what do you tell them? How do you, what are the first steps for them to get that out it's just it's not a real thing to say you're not a creative person but that, so many people I do say no it. it's a lie that people tell themselves yeah. <laughs> but I find that what I try to explain to people is whatever your passion is it has an element of creativity to it right if you've made yourself a snack in the kitchen if you've you know played a sport and have to think creatively and outside the box of how to get from here to here in an interesting and different way that the opponent won't predict. If you have to pitch a board meeting in, you know, the business world, all these things involve creativity. I don't think that there is a job that doesn't involve creativity and Mm self-expression. And so, no, it's not real that you're not creative. And Often how I start out poetry workshops is by tricking people into doing poetry. So I'll do little prompts, like list three things that are old or worn out and three things that are new or immaculate. And then I'll have them fill in a blank, like my mind is like blank because. And so they've already got the words that they're going to use and they just plug it into a prompt. And so the whole point with that kind of thing is just... If you trick them into doing something yeah. the first time, they realize like it, it's it's partly play, right? You sh- there should be an element of joy to it. It shouldn't be so scary and foreign. Some people come to creativity like it's this job, mm-hmm. and I think I think you can enjoy the process as well. So, but certainly, yeah, it's a great tool for mental health. As you were saying, I've spoken at mental health symposiums and that kind of thing. I have some poetry specifically on mental health and how we're all crazy in our own beautiful way. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think creativity extends far beyond the realm of writing. And absolutely can be used in the realm of of mental health as well as many other and many other disciplines. Yeah. Yeah. When you're sitting down to write or whatever that standing, writing, walking, <laughs> who, however you create. Sure. 
like are there certain themes that like just really hit home for you or are you trying to do new things different things all the time it's a combination uh sarah k so my my favorite that i started out with who kind of sold me on spoken word she talked about how she's always writing the same poem over and over and over again like each person kind of is in a certain way and i think my poem that i write over and over again is be yourself be kind to others empower share your voice that's kind of the general message and then i'll write that poem for mental health and then i'll write that poem for gender equality and then i'll write that poem for you know you can do it in such a variety of topics right and creating art and whatever the subject matter is it tends to end up with that kind of message of you can do it right so yeah i think i'm always open to new topics and new challenges i mean for example, the ACE class coming to me and I've done quite a few few performances for them. So I ended up writing a poem kind of on the theme of what they do. And, you know, I'll perform at a multiculturalism event and write a poem about what they do. I love those kind of challenges of specific topics, but it's funny that I do always end up kind of writing the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting though. Yeah. Cause I was, as you were saying that, I was thinking like, what is the theme of sort of my creativity and stuff and I was like I feel like mine is always like I see you and you've got this yeah that's a beautiful thing to put out there absolutely (laughs) she's like I see you too yeah hi Ah. she is on it man she is gonna take over the world yeah you are I'm so exposed to astronauts spoken word poets all the cool (laughs) people all the cool people now you want my microphone saying the words (laughs) yeah the well, microphone does look like a toy, to be fair. It does, yeah. It looks like a lot of fun. So you created the like a spoken word like series, didn't you? Like a community, more or less. Yeah. Uh, why, why speak? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that is, it started out as an event listing. Just, I found that there were so many spoken word events in the city and everyone knew about the one that they went to and nothing else. Right. And so... I created an event listing where it was all in one place. So in Calgary, we have Single Onion, we have Inkspot, we have Can You Hear Me Now, we have We Had Say Word, we have Pitbull Poetry. Oh my gosh, there's, and this is monthly. Wait, what is Pitbull Poetry? Oh my gosh, amazing, right? Is it about the dog or is it about <laughs> the singer? Wakefield Brewster goes by the lyrical Pitbull. And so he puts on Pitbull Poetry Reading Series. So it's it. his... his uh, okay. Name. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I wish there was a poetry reading series specifically for Pitbulls. And you could bring your Pitbulls to the reading series. I really want this to happen. Now. That would be so Instagrammable. I will have to tell... <laughs> I'll have to tell uh, Wakefield that he needs some uh, rebranding. For sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. But the thing is, is there's so much that happens each month. And I just thought it's silly that people don't know about anything but their own. So I started as that. Since it's become more of a kind of event creation thing. So I put on events with spoken word poets. Sometimes it's kind of open mic style. Sometimes it's a feature or a showcase. And sometimes uh, just in December, we put on, once we put on an event that was for dancers and spoken words, spoken word poets collaborating, which was really beautiful. Oh, cool. Yeah. So the dancers dance a spoken word poetry which was really special. So anyhow, so now it's become more of kind of putting on events, creating opportunities for local spoken word poets and that kind of thing. But basically I'm just like, you know, I have to do shows now and then. Why don't I just bring other people along with me? And yeah. So singing, I imagine different in the sense of unless you're writing your own songs, there's the nerves of getting up on stage and performing, but you're using someone else's words. And it's so... I imagine it's different when you have actually crafted this piece of art and then you're performing it as well. What was that first time publicly sharing that like? Oh, man. I don't think the nervousness ever goes away, to be fair. I think the first time is very much like, you know, the last performance I've done in the way that every time I get up there, there's a bit of nervousness of how it's going to be received. Every audience is different and every piece is something that means a lot to you or that did a lot for you. And you hope it's going to connect with people the same way. Right? So yeah, the first time getting up for sure, tons of nerves, tons of uh, excitement, but I will say even in music, because I've done some of my own songwriting, I've had a similar experience with that, that, you know, there's still that 
oh my gosh, are they going to like it? Is it going to be okay? And Especially in front of high school students. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I think they're probably the hardest audience. You know what? Once you get to know them, you can kind of call them out on their crap. Because <laughs> they're, all, they're all trying to be way too cool for life. And you're like, you know what? Maybe we don't have to just all be too cool for life. You can yeah. do this. We can get over that, right? So if you kind of get them involved early on, and especially doing some stuff, some poetry that gets some laughs and that kind of thing, they realize it's not all entirely serious either. I yeah. think that they they have this idea of poetry as like some white dude in tights saying, shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Yeah. Which is in itself beautiful poetry, nothing yeah. wrong with it. But that's the only poetry that they know. And so hearing something a little more... I guess it's not harder to be hip and cooler and more modern than Shakespeare because, you know, so setting the bar pretty Lin low. Lin-Manuel there. Miranda. There yeah, you go. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So uh, I'm kind of the fun, exciting part for most uh, high school students, I think. Usually poetry is quite dry for them. And then I'm the like fun, exciting part that they hype them up for. That's awesome. So it's special in that way. And that poetry yeah. isn't cool in the world at large. But in school, when you're sitting at a desk all day, just staring at words, a uh, spoken word seems quite trendy and hip. So yeah. <laughs> there's that advantage for sure. So for our listeners that are maybe going to try something new, mm-hmm. whether it's creative or otherwise, usually it's something creative. Right. Like you're saying, everyone's creative. Yeah. What's your advice for them for getting over that fear of of sharing? <laughs> Man, I think what what I do is just boring practice basically if I can do it in my sleep I can do it in front of people so I will just practice in front of a mirror until I am sick of seeing myself and then I can do it on stage and I think that applies to any discipline you're in if you can practice the heck out of it so that when you do it you're somewhat prepared I think that helps with the nerves a little bit the nerves are always going to be there and I and I always remind myself that nervousness is me saying I still care about it if there was no stakes if I didn't care about it at all then there would be no nerves right exactly and so that nervousness is just me reminding myself that wow even all these years later I still care about this a whole ton and don't want my career to go by the wayside and that's the only reason that these nerves are showing up is because I really want to do my very best job at what I love most yeah so I think maybe maybe my advice I guess would be to creative people or anyone going into anything entrepreneurial or new or whatever is to remind yourself that those nerves are you caring about what you're doing? And if you can, this is easier said than done, if you can convert those nerves into excitement, so instead of being anxious about it, to be excited and motivated about it, if you can make that transfer of energy, that will help you a lot. I can't always do that, but I think if you can kind of have that at the back of your mind, that's a really great thing. Yeah. So I hate to sound like a career counselor or whatever. Do it. But like what do you, what's the future what do you what are you working towards what what's exciting on the horizon so right now uh, in the in the next year i'm working on a show so in july that'll be coming out i've been working on it yes it's very exciting i've been working on it since july of last year and it'll be coming out in july it's called why we tell stories and so this is more interdisciplinary it's funny because I got the privilege of meeting one of my favorite authors, Ian Williams. He's a Canadian author, short story writer. And he heard my stuff and he said, Miranda, it's really great, but I think you're going to do more than just spoken word. You have some kind of musical elements in it. You have some kind of performance elements in it. It seems like spoken word and then some. And at the time I was actually offended. I was like, man, like I'm a spoken word poet. How could he say I'm not a spoken word poet? And now that I'm working on this show and I'm able to work with dancers and videographers and captioners and, you know, translate my work into sign language and into French, I know it's, cool. it's beyond cool. What I'm work- and, I, and it's all because of these amazing people I'm working with. But the, the ability to kind of open my brain to how else stories can be told outside of spoken word and what other storytelling techniques would help spoken word has been really beautiful for me. It started out as just a way to make it accessible to deaf and hard of hearing audiences because I thought who can't enjoy spoken word and actually one of my friends JT happens to be deaf 
And she's such an artsy, interesting human who I felt should be able to come to my shows and enjoy them. But she she was never able to come because lip reading from across the room is quite hard and wouldn't be enjoyable. So, yeah, so it started out as a way to make it accessible. And I was thinking, well, as long as I'm captioning it, I might as well have visuals behind it. And so, you know, I started thinking about videographers and different ways we could do captions in an interesting way that isn't just black and white and boring. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, well, if somebody's not listening to this, but only seeing it, so somebody who's just getting the visual experience, I want to be exciting for them. But if somebody is not seeing it and only hearing it, so somebody who's visually impaired, what is their experience? So then I added backing tracks and stuff like that. And as long as I was captioning it, I figured, well, let's caption in English and French because that's the languages of our country. And I speak French, so I'm like, well, so I'm captioning them in French. I might as well learn it in French. And so it's sort of been like a steamroll experience. Uh, That's cool. Are you taking it across the country? I sure as heck hope so. So this is just the first show. We'll be in July. That's the Calgary show. And then hopefully with the videos and promotional materials we make for that, we can kind of make a case for it nationwide and look at touring with it. That is the that is the hope, is basically to be able to go you know, to Quebec or to wherever, or even beyond Canada eventually. Yeah. And if I have the captions and everything already in video format, it can basically be a one woman show that's transportable to anywhere in English, French or sign language. So that is the big, the big goal that, you know, they say shoot for the moon. And even if you miss, you land among the stars, I might land among the stars here, but this sounds <laughs> incredible. So yeah. when should we check back to your website for this? Cause it sounds like something. Everyone yes. Should be going to. So I think tentatively we're, we're doing it July 18th. So that's a tentative date, but uh, I would say in the next couple months here, we'll have the info for that up on Miranda Krogstad.com. Excellent. We'll and link my, to that in uh, the show notes for today. For sure. And on my social media and everything uh, at Miranda K poet, I'll probably be posting stuff about that, but yeah, that's, the that's the short term and then the long term is I guess expanding yeah so I think that's mostly my kind of plan of taking over the world for now (laughs) sounds good well I also want to give you a shout out for your Instagram because it's beautiful thank you thank you well to be fair I do have help uh, with that from the very talented Tegan Dow, my agent. So she has been doing recently, we've kind of done a couple collaborations where it's her photos and my words. However, yes, it has been kind of a work in progress over a few years that I've really enjoyed. And my mom is a visual artist. Um, so a on banker and I a visual know, artist. I know. You're like, how does this happen? I think uh, it happens more than people realize. It's so true. Yeah. So many people have the right and the left side of the brain. Yeah. But anyhow. Gotta get your outlet somewhere. Seriously. So she is a very talented visual artist. She does like paintings and multi-layer collages and all kinds of like beautiful artwork. So for me to kind of get into this photography side of things and think, oh, how can I place my words in an interesting way that people maybe actually want to read them? Yeah. So that was a really cool challenge for me, for sure. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it was lots of fun. So, well, I guess the last thing, is there like anything that you wish people knew more about you or asked you more about or anything like that? Is there? Oh, man. What is there to know about Miranda? Or something that you're super passionate about or? I love pasta. Okay. Which you can tell from my poetry because I have a poem called Ode to Pasta. And nice. it's not a joke. It is for real. I love I love pasta. I don't know. You know, I, I hope that my poetry says enough about me. I think I'm quite lucky to be in a discipline where the work is fairly autobiographical. It speaks for itself. Oh, I my God. That, so. that was a mom joke oh. there. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, not the first time I've heard that, Victoria. <laughs> no, that was awesome. That was awesome. But uh, but yeah, no, I hope I hope that my poetry speaks for itself. I can't say that with a straight face now. But uh, but yeah, I think I'm a fairly open book, I guess. If uh, if there's anything anything crazy you want to ask, like my favorite yogurt or whatever. I, I don't I don't know if I have a favorite yogurt. I shouldn't have mentioned that as an option, but <laughs> we're all good. <laughs> so I want to uh, end with the final five that we ask everybody. Okay. Um, first of all, now this might be something we touched on. It might be something completely that we didn't. What are the things or the projects that get you fired up in a good way? 
Well, you just heard about one of them. Why we tell stories is super exciting right now. I think anything that encourages others to share their voice is something that I'm interested in. So whether that's in the capacity of gender equality or mental health or uh, youth empowerment or whatever, I like opportunities to tell other people, no, actually, we want to hear you. So a lot of my work does that, and that's a lot of the projects that I get really excited about, is if I can convince people who are all shelled up to, like, crawl out of there and share their voice. So that's probably the big thing, yeah. Do you ever do – this is a side question. Do you ever do public workshops, or are these all sort of – Yes, I do sometimes. Like, over the summer, I did one with Loft 112, who is a wonderful literary organization here in Calgary. They put that on with Limelighter. So I did open to everyone workshop. It is fairly rare, but I do more public shows. Right. So even though I do a lot, a lot of private gigs, a lot of private workshops, I do do public shows probably every, I'd say once a month at least. I have something or other going around in Calgary. And in March, I'm for example, I'm going to be curating an event on women's empowerment for Women's Month. And it's all about all gender supporting women and women supporting all genders. It's very fluid and warm fuzzy but yeah so that's going to be another place where I'm going to do a show but as far as workshops are concerned if anyone is interested in having me for a workshop let me know absolutely and if not they do pop up here and there yeah so great okay so we talked about this before the podcast starts I work in stress reduction stress is a huge issue for women especially we carry so much of this mental load so true what are your go-to strategies for handling stress so My strategies are fairly boring, and I think you summed them up in a great way on your podcast, so I'll refer the listeners back to that because I actually thought you did a great job. Uh, But honestly, as I was saying with, you know, teaching kids to memorize poetry and saying you just have to repeat it until you're sick of hearing yourself, it's, it's the same sort of boring strategies that make sense for stress reduction. You exercise, you eat well, you sleep well, you drink lots of water. It is the most boring things to tell yourself and to keep yourself to do, but I find that keeps me sane, especially the exercise component. We were talking just before this podcast about you going to bar class and about, you know, I've been trying out some Zumba and other things, but really just dragging my butt to the gym. I It's hard to get there, but once I get there, it's like my medicine is kind of the way I put it. It's like, you know, somebody wouldn't find it safe or mentally advisable to skip a pill if they were taking it for their mental health exercises the endorphins and the same kind of hormone balance for me so it's irresponsible for me to skip exercise is the way I look at it I think that's a really interesting way to phrase it mm. yeah you wouldn't skip a pill I really like that yeah I'm, right I'm gonna tell people that. that's and that's that. I really have to tell myself that because it justifies there's so many people especially when you have a flexible job like we have like yeah. podcasting or like spoken word where you're working from home a lot of the time a lot of people can say why don't you do that later And so I have to schedule in my exercise time just like you would a pill, just like you would anything else. You can't just skip it because it's, it would be irresponsible. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also for it, like if you're struggling with motivation for that, it's, I think we get so stuck on the reasons, oh, I'm tired. It's cold outside. It's whatever. We need to get over the hurdle and remember how we feel afterwards. Yes. Because like, that's where like. Bar classes hard, dude. Like <laughs> I am sweating and pushing myself. Exercise isn't glamorous, man. No, <laughs> and like, but I always leave class on a high. Yes, always. Yes, you always leave feeling better than when you came there. And the thing is, it's not every time you're gonna feel 110. percent If you come in there super sad and down and whatever, maybe you'll leave feeling 80. percent Maybe you'll leave feeling 60. Yeah. percent But it's gonna be higher than when you came in, yeah. right? That's a guarantee based on human yeah. physiology. Yeah, and what else has a return on investment like that? Exactly. Yeah. And I like it. As I said, I'm a risk averse person, so exercise is has so few downsides. As long as you stretch out properly and you know, you're taking care of your body, it only really has plus sides. So I like it. Yeah. Are you I I would imagine as a spoken word poet and you've talked about being a reader already, do you have a favorite book in the past few years? Okay, picking one is so hard. You can pick a couple. Uh, but, I've had people okay. pick a few. <laughs> so we mentioned Big Magic by yeah. Elizabeth Gilbert. That is 
a huge thing for me. I loved Eat, Pray, Love, but actually I prefer Big Magic, which says a lot because there's a lot of people who worship Eat, Pray, Love. And yeah. I'm just like, you can't just overlook this one, though. It's so important. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The thing I loved about Big Magic is it has such, I think, a healthy perspective towards creativity. It really calls people out on that idea of like martyrdom of, you know, the, the yeah, yeah, struggling yeah. artist and how you have to suffer to make good art. And she's like, no, you don't eat tacos and drink tea and relax and write like you can have that yeah. kind of creative process, too. And so even though it, it is a constant reminder that I have to a constant conversation I keep having with myself of just like, no, you can enjoy this process. You're stressing out right now. Reset. Try something different. Yeah, definitely recommend Big Magic. Right. So that was book number one. Book number two is the latest book I've read is Originals by Adam Grant. And that was a fantastic book also. Okay. It's, I haven't heard of it. Yeah. So it's more about the entrepreneurial side of things, but also just creatives in general. And it looks at it from a very multidisciplinary approach, which I just love. So it talks about you know, business owners. It also talks about people who do like the polar plunge. It talks about like Disney execs and Polaroid and comedians and family size and all kinds of different factors that play into success and kind of talks about different strategies and different approaches to success and maybe how best to shape your life to succeed, especially in entrepreneurial settings and creative settings. Yeah. So it was, that was really cool to me. And I'm going to pick that up. It sounds great. Yeah. And it yeah. was recommended by Malcolm Gladwell, not to me personally, but in general, <laughs> he put an endorsement there. Um, and I really liked Malcolm Gladwell's stuff as well. Yeah. And so that was a no brainer for me. So yeah, yeah it, I would, I would highly recommend it. It's, it talks about lots of different creative strategies. It even talks about parenting strategies and different things to help cultivate creativity. So, yeah. Awesome. It's very interesting. Okay. Well, we will check out those two and I will link to them in today's show notes. Wonderful. What's the best life lesson that you've learned or advice that you've been given? So, actually, I think it might be from my first day at Boston Pizza. Back in the day, I know, I've had some glamorous jobs in my day. But, um... I worked with this woman named Andrea. Uh, we know each other from high school. And I, my first day on the job, I said, you know, do you have any advice for me? Do you enjoy working here? What's anything you can tell me? And she said, you know what? If you keep your head down out of the drama, you're going to love it here. And that I have taken to every single aspect of my life. And I think it can be applied to every single career. If you can just keep your head down out of the drama, you'll love it. Because no matter what career you're in, there's always going to be people bad talking you or talking their own drama at you and making it your drama. And there's always going to be extra stuff to pay attention to that just weighs you down. If you can just keep your head down and remind yourself of the joy of what you do and why you do it and try to focus on that and create time for that, you're going to enjoy life a whole lot more. So... If you're someone that's in the midst of that, like you've been in the bad habit of getting involved or listening to the drama and stuff like that, what's your tangibles? Like, how did you stay out of it? I did a lot of smiling and nodding to things that I didn't want to engage further in. Right. So, just, yeah. So just the boundary of like, yeah. shut it down. Don't respond. Right. Don't I, engage. Yeah. it's It's been a challenge for me because I'm somebody who really likes to say yes to things. And so, and it's, and I'm a big people pleaser too. So, I mean, listening to somebody's smack talk is good, healthy for them and maybe unhealthy for you. So, yeah. but I think in general, what I've tried to do in my life is every time you say no to something, you create space for something else. So instead of looking at it as a no, as a, I don't have time for this or this person doesn't matter to me, try to shift the conversation in a positive way. And same thing with life in general. I find that if not necessarily say no to someone, but say not right now or whatever. You create space for the people and the things that really matter, right? So like for me, family is a huge priority, right? Like I'm really close to my grandma, with my with my dad, with my sisters, with my mom. With I mean, my whole family is quite close. And if I say no to other people, it means a yes to them in the future. And so I try to remind myself of that because I get this guilty complex when I'm creating space for myself or when I'm saying no to things, whether that's somebody ranting at you or creating space in your calendar for the things that really matter. 
I just try to remind myself, okay, by saying no to this negative thought, you're creating space for positive conversations. What's a positive conversation you want to have with this person? Or, you know, by saying no to this coffee date, even though you really want to have it, maybe even by saying no to this, I'm creating space for these people who really need me and who are really important to me. So it's all those kind of choices. But yeah, I'd say the tangible is just remind yourself what you're creating space for when you shut something else down. Yeah. Because the shutting down feels terrible. So if you could just remind yourself of that positive yeah. that's coming after. And I am going to say that's a really great stress reduction method as well. There you go. Because, because, I'm yeah, all about get, that, girl. We get so... It's so easy, like you're saying, to get sucked into it. And it's, you know, it's what everybody else is doing. That's what the cool kids are doing. (laughs) You know, like you want to be, well, we want to be part of community, right? And so even when it's a negative thing happening, we don't want to feel left out. So it's how to figure out how to turn around so it works for you. So I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love I love that you're all about the stress reduction because there there's not a person in the world who doesn't need it. Ugh. Not a person in the world. Word. So final question, Miranda, is what does it mean to you to lead your best life? Oh, my gosh. You sent this question ahead and I was like, oh, my gosh, how do I even decide? So what I think I've come up with is I have three words tattooed on my neck in Chinese. They're peace, love, and harmony. And so these three words aren't particularly exciting or energy packed words, perhaps they're more a quiet happiness. And I think that is what I strive for in leading my best life is not the big, shiny, exciting moments. Cause those are very fleeting, you know, performing a show is that one hour where you're up on stage. If you don't enjoy the process that leads up to it, if you don't enjoy the quiet happiness of sitting in your apartment alone with a cup of tea, grinding it out on your laptop if you don't enjoy that then it's the wrong career for you right so it's all about for me I guess finding joy in the process that peace that harmony and that love for what you do and for life in general if you can find that quiet happiness then for me I think that's living my best life yeah yeah I can't agree with you more it's Mm. the yeah I would rather have a steady good yes, than spikes and dips. Than a, than a moment of great and then okay the rest of the time, yeah. right? Like even though the high is going to feel awesome, you have to enjoy the process. Yeah. And that's why I, I try to advise these goal seekers, you know, the ones who just want that little fleeting moment of when I get this, I'll be happy. No, no, no. The way to that has to be happy though. Because then it's never enough, right? If you're only chasing the goal and you're not enjoying the process, then that's that's the ratio of how much time you're spending being happy. If the months leading up to the actual thing are miserable, that's your general happiness, right? So, yeah. Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I love your podcast and what you're doing with it. So I'm going to continue creeping you after I get off the air. But uh, thank Thank you you for, thank you for including me on this journey. It's so cool. So cool to be here.